And we welcome all of you joining us in the live stream as well. Glad that you're with us. And we trust that the Word of God will be a blessing tonight. Let's allow that to happen. Amen. Let's engage our mind and let God's Word instruct us and encourage us tonight. Take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Luke 2 is a familiar passage. One that is, at least in my family, read every Christmas. And I would, because of its familiarity, um, I would say that um, the, this time of year, the Christmas season, uh, could be dangerous. And what I mean by that, not, I'm not talking about you know, shopping at Walmart. You, that's probably dangerous any time of year. You take your life into your own hands if you go to that store. That was a plug for you know, Costco, not Walmart. But. but what I'm talking about is the familiarity. When things become familiar, sometimes they, they lose some of their effect. You know what I'm talking about? And I think that sometimes that can be the case. There's a danger that we can hear the story uh, so often that it becomes so familiar that somehow it starts to lose some of the significance of the message and it doesn't really grip our heart. And every year, the same story is told in the same way so many times, and we fail to really ponder and think. But if we do, if we really ponder and think, uh, it ought to really blow us away, in all honesty, just the thought. I mean, number one, the fact that God stepped out of eternity into time should be something that is uh, so overwhelming to our mortal mind that we can't hardly grasp it. Um, but we read of other things, which we'll read of in this passage here. So let me direct your attention to verse 8 of Luke chapter 2. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us go now even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe, lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Now, I read that passage, and maybe some of you could recite a lot of that because it's been so ingrained in you or you're so familiar with it uh, that you could recite much of that passage we read about the shepherds here who were lowly and undeserving. At best, shepherds were 
common, ordinary men. At worst, they were dirty, vile outcasts from society, and yet they were the ones who were chosen of God for a special purpose. We read about that. We read about the angels here amazed that the Creator was born in the image of the creature, and yet they were praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. We read of the manger and, 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 the, and the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and were reminded that Jesus laid aside His splendor and His glory that He might become a man and die for sinners. Like These are real truths from God's Word that sometimes I think we, because of familiarity, it doesn't grip our heart maybe like it should. We read of all of these things and we can ponder their meaning and it should, it should honestly be more than our mind could really even fully grasp, but it should be something that still grips our heart nonetheless. And then we look in and zero in on verse 11 in the words of the angel who visited the shepherds on that Judean hillside that night. And the angel said, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. In the angel's words, we, we find here the true glory of Christmas. The angel says, unto you is born this day. All of what is happening, all of what is taking place is for you. It's for all of mankind. This is a gift for you. The Bible tells us that unto us a son is given. What a gift was given to mankind. And no matter what else the world wants to make of Christmas, Christmas will always be about God's gift to men. The Lord Jesus Christ, the sacrifice for our sin. And tonight I want to look at exactly what it was that was given and what it means for us. And I want to do that by looking at what the angel had to say as to who this baby was. Let's pray and then we'll begin. Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, that you'd encourage our hearts with this glorious truth here tonight and what it means for us and how we ought to rejoice and thank the Lord for this unspeakable gift. In Jesus' name, amen. The three things I want to point out tonight in verse 11, because verse 11 is our text verse here, is that this gift is our Savior, He is Christ, and He is the Lord. Our Savior, Christ, and the Lord. The angel said to these shepherds, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. A Savior, this gift that is that is for you, for all mankind, is a Savior. The word Savior here, it means a deliverer, but it's also a title, and it's a title of acceptance. The, the angel said, unto you is born a Savior, this deliverer, this one who is coming into the world. His purpose is to save. His purpose, though, wasn't to save the wealthy. His purpose wasn't to become wealthy. His purpose wasn't to, uh, to save the righteous. In fact, the Bible says that He came to deliver and save and set free the sinner. 
Luke 9.10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus Christ came for the ones that nobody else wanted. And if you understand any of that from Bible doctrine, you realize that is all of us because we're all in the same condition. Mark 2.17, when Jesus heard it, He, say, he saith unto them, They that are whole need no, a need, uh, have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And so we understand why this Savior was given. As Savior, Jesus Christ provides three very essential things for us. First of all, He provides deliverance. That's what the name or the word Savior means, a deliverer. He provides deliverance. The name Jesus, in fact, means Jehovah is salvation. And He came to bring deliverance. Deliverance from what, we say? Well, deliverance from sin's penalty. And we say, well, what is sin's penalty? Sin's penalty is the wrath of God, my friend. And Jesus Christ Unto you is born this day a deliverer from the wrath of God. You know, we talk about, or the world talks about, or people talk about how, how you know, uh, hell, hell was something that was created for the devil and his angels, which is true. But contrary to the way that some might believe, hell is not a place where God sends the worst of the worst. Hell is actually our default destination. For all of us, we need someone to save us, deliver us, because we already stand condemned before God. The Savior, Jesus Christ, died for our sin that we might live in Him. What men need to do is repent and follow Jesus Christ. They need to, to, to receive the gift from the Deliverer. We're delivered from the power of sin as well in Jesus Christ, and someday will be delivered from the presence of sin. Praise the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, For He hath made Him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. And Revelation 1, 5 says, Unto Him that loved us and washed us, from our sin in His own blood. He provides deliverance as our Savior. Secondly, He provides acceptance. This title is a title of acceptance. Unto you is born a Savior, a Deliverer. It's a title of acceptance, though, because He provides deliverance and He provides for us acceptance. If we look in Ephesians 1, go with me there to Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1, 6. The Bible says, To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. This Savior provides for us acceptance. The, the word accepted here in Ephesians 1, 6, it means to endue with special honor, but it means to be highly favored. 
So the verse says that it's, it's to the praise of the glory of God that He hath made us accepted in the Beloved, that He's bestowed this special honor that we are highly favored of God. The word Beloved here refers to the adoption of children. So into God's family, adoption into God's family, a special honor to be part of God's family, highly favored. We are no longer aliens from God, outside of the family of God. We're no longer enemies. Understand that thought. Think on this for a second. We're no longer enemies of God. But we're reconciled and adopted into His family, accepted of God through Jesus Christ. There is no possible way we could ever be accepted with God without a Savior. You can't earn it. You can't be good enough. You can't do enough good things. And you're not special. There's no possible way we could be accepted of God without a Savior. How does He see us now? Not as an enemy anymore. God is going to crush and destroy His enemies, amen? But He doesn't see us as an enemy anymore. How does He deal with us now? He doesn't deal with us as an alien, someone outside. He deals with us as sons, sons of God. We are highly favored. Understand what was given and what it does and what it means for us. Now, let's just park on this thought of being accepted or highly favored. To be highly favored doesn't always mean a life of ease, as we might think. Highly favored of God. That's amazing. But it doesn't always mean a life of ease. Consider Mary, for example, the mother of Jesus. In Luke chapter 1 and verse 28, the angel came unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. That's exactly the same word that is used there that is translated as accepted in Ephesians 1. Mary is highly favored of the Lord, and the Lord is with thee. Some, or it's this, like I said, the same word that is translated as accepted. And Mary was someone who was highly favored of God, but Mary was misunderstood. Think about her life for a minute. She was almost put away by the one that she loved dearly because she was found to be with child before they came together. Later on in Jesus' life, the Pharisees said to Jesus, we be not born of fornication. And what does that tell us? It tells us that Mary carried that false accusation against her for her entire life. She was misunderstood. She was considered to be a fornicator. And she carried that her whole life. She was highly favored, but she didn't have a comfortable place to deliver this baby that she carried for nine months. She was highly favored, but in the middle of the night, she had to pick up all that she uh, had and leave and all that she ever knew for a strange place because God said to do it. She was highly favored, but her life was not easy. 
She was highly favored, and friend, I would tell you this tonight, often favor of the Lord doesn't look like favor at first. Favor sometimes takes you through frustration. Sometimes it takes you through failure in life. Sometimes it takes you through fear. Being highly favored is not necessarily a life of ease, but a lot of times it's frustration and failure and fear. And we are accepted and highly favored of God. But listen, that might just include the darkest nights of your life. It might just include the deepest valleys you've ever walked through. But we're highly favored. Being accepted... And highly favored doesn't mean a life of ease, but it does mean this. It does mean that the Lord is always with you through it all. It means that it's a great honor to be given to us, to be His beloved, and to see His faithfulness. He'll never leave us nor forsake us because we're highly favored, accepted of God, his sons, his daughters. And listen, what I'm saying is this ought to help us realize these truths, other truths, that the hard things that we work through, the hard things that we go through, the hard things of life eventually are going to work for good in my life in some way and for his glory because he said so and I'm highly favored of him and he's always with me. It helps us to understand some other truths about God that are all benefits for us because he's our savior. Unto you is born this day a savior. The third thing that he provides for us is that we are preserved in him. Not only are we delivered, not only are we accepted, but we're preserved. Those whom Jesus saved are forever saved. Amen. John 6, 37, Jesus said, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that, all, that of all which he hath given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone that seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. I don't think you could get more clear on the fact that once we belong to the Lord, we're His forever, preserved. Amen? Look at 1 Peter chapter 1 with me. 1 Peter 1. First Peter 1 and verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you who are kept 
by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. And the Word of God goes on and on and on, speaking of the preservation that we have because of Jesus Christ. And for the sake of time, just let me, let me cut right to the point. Thank God that Jesus Christ came not as a judge, but as a Savior. Amen? Because He's delivered us. He's, we're accepted into the Beloved. We're preserved forevermore. And Jesus said in John 3.17, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. What a blessing. What a joy to realize and remember again that unto you, all of mankind, there's a Savior who is Christ the Lord. If you can look back in our text in Luke chapter 2, the second thing that the angel says to these shepherds is not only unto you a Savior given, but he says this Savior is Christ. Christ. The word Christ here is, means anointed, the anointed one, the Messiah, but it's also a title, and it's a title of access this Savior came to bring salvation. But in so doing, we are now allowed access into the very presence of Almighty God because of Christ, the Anointed, the Messiah. When Jesus Christ was on the cross, the Bible says that when He died, the veil of the temple was rent in twain, and the way of access into the very Holy of Holies was made available, was opened up. And through Jesus Christ, now, now because of Jesus Christ, you and I, we can approach God like we've never ever been able to do before, or we ever could before. We can approach Him as our Father. Go to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. In verse 14, the Bible says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore, because of that, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We can approach God because the way of access uh, to the Father has been opened because of Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus Christ is the only means of access that we have to God. In 1 Timothy 2.5, the Bible says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. What blessedness that we can approach Him as our Father. We can also approach Him in prayer. Philippians 4.6 says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. God doesn't hear the demands of sinners. But God hears His children. 
And the fact that we can pray, I think sometimes it's just, and that God hears us, that we can pray and that God actually hears us, it doesn't mesmerize us maybe like it should. You know what I mean? We become used to that. But God, the Creator, Almighty God, all-powerful God, bends His ear and listens to the cry of His children, the plea of His children, who pray, who come to Him as their Father in prayer. Let your request be made known to God. And He cares. The name Christ refers to Jesus as the anointed high priest. And in this ministry, He also addresses the Father on our behalf. And He does that in two ways. He talks to the Father on our behalf. Hebrews 7.25 says, Wherefore He is able also to save them to the uttermost that come to God by Him, seeing He ever liveth to make intercession for them. He makes intercession for us. He talks to God on our behalf. But He also pleads our case before the throne of God. And this is an amazing thing. 1 John 2, 1 says, My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And basically, you got to understand this almost like in a courtroom setting. of Jesus Christ. And Satan comes and he says, hey God, you see, you see what, what, you see what Demlo did there? You see what he thought right there? You see what he did? That is a violation of your holiness and your law. He deserves to die. But we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ who says, you see these two hands? You see the nail prints? In these hands, you see the side, you see the nail prints in my feet. My blood was shed for him. He's my son. He's my child. It's under the blood. And all that God sees anymore of me is not my sinfulness and not the things I think and what I do. What he sees is the righteousness of his son that I am clothed with. And the accuser of the brethren has no case against me. Amen! He pleads our case before the throne of God. He ever liveth to make intercession for us. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Unto you is born this day a Savior who is Christ. Do you understand what that does and what that means for me and for you? You see what I mean by the familiarity sometimes gets lost about what a blessing this really is? But then the angel said, lastly, a Savior, which is Christ, the Lord. The Lord, that is a title of authority. 
when the angel called Jesus Lord, he was referring to one who was to be in absolute total control. And we'd say, hey, that's a comforting truth in these crazy days that we live in, right? That Jesus Christ is in absolute total control when it seems really chaotic. But it's deeper than that. It means more than that. It has a more personal application. Because this title of Lord is a reminder to every Christian that Jesus Christ is to be the absolute authority in our life, too. Or to allow Him that headship in every single area of our being. He's Lord. But too often we live in such a way that says that I am Lord of my life. I'm master of my domain. But the Bible says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What I'm saying here is that in reality, friend, God demands total obedience. It's a demand from God. It's not optional for the child of God. But His demand of total obedience is not too much to ask. And how could it be? for what He's done for us. As Savior, He's worthy, worthy of our worship. As Christ, He's worthy of our dependence. We only have access because of Him. As Lord, He's worthy of our obedience. As Jesus Christ, He's worthy of all that we could ever give Him. Two things as we close. Number one, if you're here and you're not saved tonight, He wants to be your Savior. He wants to be your Deliverer. He wants to give you access to God. He wants to be Lord and Master of your life. If you haven't been born again, you need to be. You need to repent of your sin. Follow Christ. If you're a child of God, He is worthy of all of these things. And have you given Him, really given Him your all? Let's not let the hustle and the bustle of Christmas time, the season, the secular side of things, or even the familiarity of the story, let's not let that be lost on us. Amen? But let's rejoice. And the reason we celebrate is because God stepped out of time, came into this world, became the sacrifice for our sin. That's the reason we celebrate. And because of that, we ought to, in turn, give Him our very all. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father.
Lord, encourage us again with these truths of who you are. What was it that the angel said unto you? Is born this day a gift, a Savior, a Deliverer, who is Christ, and He's the Lord. And that has profound, profound meaning for us. And it was for all mankind. And Lord, I pray that we would just think and meditate a little bit on the glory of the story, the goodness of God in it all for us. And Lord, may it compel us to, in turn, love you more. In Jesus' name, amen.